The Matheson Pensions Podcast. Presented by Deirdre Cummins, partner in the Employment, Pensions and Benefits Group at Matheson. This podcast series examines the topical legal issues affecting the operation and management of occupational pension schemes in Ireland and is relevant to pension scheme trustees, employers, pension practitioners and industry professionals. Hello and welcome. In this episode, we are focusing on the General Data Protection Regulation and the implications for pension schemes of this major development in data protection law. My name is Deirdre Cummins and I'm a partner in the Employment, Pensions and Benefits Group at Matheson. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Jane McKeever, an associate in the group. So, Jane, do you want to start by giving us a quick recap on the current position with respect to pension schemes and data protection? Absolutely, Deirdre. And I actually think it makes good sense to start there. So currently, the main law dealing with data protection in Ireland are the Data Protection Acts 1988 and 2003. And at a very high level, the legislation protects the privacy rights of individuals in relation to their personal data in two ways. So first, it gives the individuals uh, specific rights in relation to their personal data. And secondly, it puts duties and obligations on the people that collect, hold and uh, process the personal data. So just to clarify here, because data protection law uses so many technical terms, Personal data is data relating to a living person and the legislation tends to call that person a data subject. And really, personal data is when the person can be identified either by the data by itself or by the data together with other data that might come into the possession of the data controller. So in relation to pension schemes, that would be things like the member's name and address, their marital status, their financial details, their date of birth, anything like that. So then applying the Data Protection Acts to pension schemes specifically, as you know, the way pension schemes are operated requires the trustees of the schemes to collect and store really high volumes of personal data in order to administer the scheme. So in essence, Jane, what you're saying, trustees, because they collect and store personal data, are data controllers for the purposes of the current regime, the Data Protection Acts. Yeah, exactly. And their status then as data controllers means that they have a number of serious legal obligations under the Data Protection Acts. Yeah, that's right. As I understand it, as data controllers then, trustees enter into arrangements with service providers, if you like, for processing of members' personal data, making the service providers data processors. So the obvious example for that is pension scheme administrators, but other service providers like actuaries or potentially consultants may also be data processors. Do data processors have similar obligations? Well, just to start then, I suppose, again, with uh, the technical terms. So data processing is a really wide term and it's used really to describe doing anything with the data, whether that's obtaining it, retrieving it, consulting it, disclosing it to third parties or even destroying it. So essentially, data processors have a much more limited set of obligations under the Data Protection Acts. Uh, The main obligation is that they can only act on the instructions of the data controller. And I think really the key point here for trustees is that even though they often outsource the processing activities to third parties such as scheme administrators, they remain responsible for compliance with the Data Protection Acts. 
And that's why we usually suggest that when their trustees are entering into contracts with third party service providers, that we would review the contracts so that we can ensure that the risk of trustees being exposed to data breaches is minimised in so far as it can be. If I'm understanding you correctly, then, as data controllers, trustees have most of the obligations under the current regime with data processors such as administrators and other advisors having much more limited obligations. Yes, so exactly. The data controllers are the people with the majority of the obligations and the Data Protection Commissioner has expressed, and really it comes from European level, eight fundamental principles of data protection. And I just want to go through those very quickly. So firstly, data must be obtained and processed fairly by the trustees. And then the data can only be kept for specified, explicit and lawful purposes. So after that, the trustees can only use and disclose the data in ways that are compatible with those specified purposes. The data has to be kept safe and secure. It has to be kept accurate, complete and up to date. Trustees must ensure that the data that they hold is adequate, relevant and not excessive. They can not hold on to it for longer than is necessary. And finally, if an individual wants a copy of their personal data that is being held either by or on behalf of the scheme, the trustees have to make that available to them. Now, that's really a very simplified way of expressing the various obligations that trustees have to comply with under the Data Protection Acts. And as you can imagine, when you're actually trying to apply those in practice, trustees actually have to go through a careful management process, often involving their advisors to make sure that they are compliant with the acts. So that's a very helpful summary, if you like, of the current position under the DPA. I want to move now to the General Data Protection Regulation or the GDPR, as it's being referred to, which is coming down the track and which is due to become effective in May next year. To give our discussion some context, the GDPR replaces a 1995 EU Data Protection Directive, which was meant to harmonise the laws of the EU on data protection. However, as it was a directive, and therefore it wasn't directly effective, it had to be transposed into national law in EU member states, meaning that there were some differences in the standards of data protection that were offered to individuals from state to state as a result. The GDPR, on the other hand, will be directly effective in each member state of the EU, which means there is no need for national implementing legislation. And the idea behind this is that it will result in greater harmonisation across the EU in relation to data protection. Now, from what I've read, one of the main drivers for the GDPR was the very significant changes that have taken place, if you like, in the data landscape since 1995. And I know it's somewhat hard to believe, but social media, for example, or cloud storage, like didn't exist in 1995. I mean, it surprised me to read that Facebook only launched in 2004. So the idea with the GDPR seems to be to improve the standards of protection to fit today's technology, while remaining general enough at the same time to protect the fundamental rights of individuals through future waves of change, if I could call it that. So it's clear if you read the text, the GDPR's aim is to continue to protect EU citizens from privacy and data breaches. But maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what's changing. Sure. So as you say, the GDPR is still very much putting data protection front and centre as a right of individuals. But for the first time, it's putting this concept of privacy by design and by default on a legal footing. So the idea of privacy by design has actually been around for quite a while. And the idea behind it is that 
trustees and any data controllers should, when they're designing systems in relation to their scheme or their business, consider data protection at the outset and not just look at it as an afterthought and trying to put data protection in at the end. So as part of this, the GDPR is bringing in something called data protection impact assessments. And that's going to require data controllers, including trustees, to systematically consider the potential impact of any projects or initiatives on the privacy rights of individuals. And the idea is that potential issues in relation to data protection would be identified at a really early stage and steps could be taken to address them. And those assessments then will be mandatory if there's a processing activity being carried out that results in a particularly high risk for scheme members or other beneficiaries in relation to pensions. The default element then of the privacy by design and by default concept means that trustees as data controllers are required to put in place systems which by default require the principles of the GDPR to be uh, complied with. If we focus in again on pension schemes, from my reading of the GDPR, one of the biggest headaches for trustees is likely to be the changes to the consent requirements under the new regime. So as is currently the case under the DPA, under the GDPR, an appropriate legal basis for data processing must be identified before that processing may occur. And in my experience, pension scheme trustees have traditionally relied on obtaining member consent to comply with this requirement. So then a real problem coming down the track for trustees is that the GDPR requires additional conditions to be met where consent is relied on as a condition for processing. And so consents that are currently obtained are likely to be inadequate for the purposes of the GDPR. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, I think that's fair. And I do think it's going to be a really problematic area for trustees once the GDPR comes into force. So the GDPR requires consent to be provided on a purpose by purpose basis. So it's no longer going to be sufficient for trustees to, for example, look for an overarching consent in the member application form that would be sufficient then to cover all future processing activities. They're going to have to actually go to members if they want to use consent on a processing by processing activity and say, this is what we're doing. Do we have your consent to do this? Now, aside from that, and that would be enough of a difficulty on its own, in future, once the GDPR comes in, the member has to give a clear indication of their consent in order for the consent to be valid. So the passive consent approach, which has been taken in the past, so essentially writing out to members and saying, if you don't object to this, we're taking it that you've consented. Again, that's not going to work. And another aspect to keep in mind is that individuals can withdraw their consent at any time, which again for trustees makes it really difficult to manage when you're undertaking a lot of processing activity. So it seems to me that it's not going to be realistic or practicable really for trustees to rely on consent in the future as a legal basis for processing. And I think that trustees are going to have to explore the other legal bases that are available under the GDPR for processing and use something else. And when you're talking about other legal bases there, there's like the option of maybe using compliance with statutory obligation or the other one I was reading about recently is legitimate interest, that the processing of personal data is required for the proper operation and administration of the pension scheme. Exactly. And I think those are two of the bases that trustees will be able to look to carrying out processing. 
And I think if auto-enrolment comes through, and I know Lear Veradkar has certainly taken up the baton on this and seems to be quite keen to bring in auto-enrolment in the short to medium term, he's talking about maybe seeing the first payments made into accounts by 2021, then compliance with the statutory obligation is definitely going to be useful for individuals who are in auto-enrolment schemes. And the other um, basis, which is quite wide, really, would allow trustees to say that processing is required to allow for the proper operation and administration of the scheme. And again, I think that may be useful, but trustees do need to look at each activity on a case-by-case basis to see what would be appropriate in the particular circumstances. Then another area that seems will create additional work for trustees potentially is the enhanced information requirements under the GDPR. So currently, when personal data is being collected, the DPA requires data controllers, so in this instance, trustees, to provide certain information to data subjects, i.e. the members, including things like the identity of the controller, the reason the data is being collected, the uses it will be put to, and potentially to whom it will be disclosed, if you like. But the GDPR then introduces new and additional obligations in relation to the information to be provided to data subjects. And that includes things like requirements to provide details of the legal basis under which the data is being processed and in relation to how long it will be retained. And on this point also, the GDPR makes clear that communication with data subjects must be made in a transparent manner and must be concise, clear and in plain language. So straight away from a pensions perspective, alarm bells are ringing in my head. Yeah, I mean, pensions certainly isn't known for its transparency or language that's easy to understand. That's been an ongoing problem in the industry for many years. So a requirement for information to be provided in a clear, intelligible, transparent way is definitely going to require some work on the behalf of trustees and their advisors. They'll have to review communications, booklets, things like that, data privacy notices if they're using those to make sure that the language is GDPR compliant, as well as to make sure that it includes all of these extra information requirements. Now, I'd say also at this point that trustees should make themselves aware of the fact that individuals' data rights are going to be strengthened under the GDPR. So this is relevant to pension schemes in a number of ways. Firstly, the GDPR is providing a number of new rights in relation to things like having your data deleted. And individuals will also be entitled to get any information relating to them put on a commonly used format and transmitted to another person. And the GDPR is calling that data portability. So it'll be interesting to see how that will be managed in practice, where pension schemes might have data relating to individuals in a number of different places, just that the practicalities of it might be challenging. And then the GDPR is also introducing, and and I think this is a very important point for trustees to keep in mind, uh, new rights for individuals to make claims against data controllers. So it's making it easier for individuals, firstly, to bring a direct claim where their data privacy rights are infringed. And it's also allowing for the first time an individual to make a claim where they actually haven't suffered financial loss. So they could make a claim, for example, for something like um, distress caused by a data breach. Now, That's obviously problematic and and should be a cause of concern for trustees, but we'll have to wait and see, I guess, whether many claims are going to be made on that basis. That's interesting. I mean, that means these new rights, particularly those in relation to claims, as you were just saying, 
would appear to have the potential to increase the risk profile of schemes in the area of data protection. Is that right? Yes, that's definitely true. And as you know, it's become more common in recent times for schemes to maintain a risk register, identifying risks and then identifying ways that those risks can be managed. So this is something that would definitely need to be worked into that and just thought put into how claims will be managed if they arise. Okay. And another area I wanted to touch on was the introduction of a requirement for some data controllers to appoint a data protection officer or a DPO. My own reading of the position is that it's unlikely that pension schemes will be required to appoint a DPO. But I'm wondering, would you agree with that? I think that's probably right. I would hope that it will be confirmed properly in due course by guidance, either at the European level or from the Data Protection Commissioner. And I would also say that even if it's not a requirement to appoint a DPO, trustees should consider whether it might be desirable for their scheme. And if it's not, I think it's advisable for them to appoint someone or give someone the responsibility for compliance with the GDPR, whether that's someone within the trustee group or potentially an external advisor. Okay, And then, of course, there's the matter of enforcement. I think at the moment, a data controller found guilty of an offence under the current regime or the DPA can be fined up to €100,000 on conviction on indictment and they may be ordered to delete all or part of their database depending on the outcome. But is the GDPR also making significant changes in that area? Yes, the GDPR is making significant changes in that area also. And one of the main reasons for that is to go back to what you were saying about social media and cloud storage and that kind of thing not being in existence when the first directive was passed. Fines of up to 100,000 really mean nothing to entities, very large entities with very large turnovers. So from a data protection perspective, it meant that you know, to be effective, to, to actually mean something to very large corporate entities, the fines had to be increased significantly. So under the GDPR, fines of up to 4% of worldwide turnover or up to 20 million can be levied, whichever of those figures is the higher. Now, those are obviously very significant figures, and I should say that they would only be levied in the event of a serious breach. So perhaps for something like the data controller not having consent at all to process data, something like that. A difficulty, I think, in terms of pension schemes and this new fine regime is it's not clear how it will apply to pension schemes. So if you look at the worldwide turnover aspect, obviously pension schemes don't have a turnover. So it's not clear entirely what will happen there. And if you look at the 4% part under the GDPR, that applies to an undertaking. And that term in turn is defined by reference to the degree of control between entities in a corporate group. Now, again, a pension scheme isn't a corporate entity. So We'll have to wait and see whether the income of the sponsoring employer, for example, might be appropriate or even the wider group of which the employer forms a part. Now, again, I think that's an area for guidance and I would hope that you know future guidance will give us some indication of how this might apply to pension schemes. And then just while we're on the topic of enforcement, it's worth mentioning that under the GDPR, new data breach notifications are going to apply So where there is a data breach, trustees are going to have to notify the Data Protection Commissioner without undue delay, which is a bit vague, but in any event within 72 hours of their becoming aware of the breach. Now, if there's particularly high risk to the individual because of the breach, trustees are expected to go ahead and notify the individual as quickly as possible. Okay, that's certainly very interesting and one to watch from a trustee perspective. 
And it strikes me as I'm listening to you there that trustees probably should be taking steps at this stage to put policies in place to deal with breaches of that nature. Yes, absolutely. Because I think it would be a mistake to wait until a breach occurs. Most schemes are going to have breaches at some point and it would be well advised for trustees now to think about how that's going to be managed. Indeed. And, you know, as we chat through the requirements here, it's becoming very clear that the amount of work involved for trustees to become GDPR compliant is really very significant. And I suppose that begs the question, what should trustees be doing between now and May next year to ensure that their house is in order? It would seem to me to make sense for trustees to carry out a gap analysis as soon as possible and really sooner rather than later between the current approach that they take and the requirements under the GDPR so that they can identify and then implement any changes and improvements which are required to achieve compliance with that time frame. Would you agree with that approach? Yeah, Deirdre, I do think a gap analysis is the correct approach here. And as I see it, that would involve the trustees carrying out a number of steps. So as you say, the first step would be to assess their current approach to data protection. And I think one of the critical steps here would be for trustees to map the data that they currently hold, as well as the data flows relating to that. Now, again, that sounds technical, but it's really quite a simple process of looking into what personal data the scheme currently holds, how is it obtained, what is it being used for and who is it being shared with. And the reason I think that's so important is that if trustees don't understand what they currently hold and why and who it's being shared with, then I don't think it's going to be possible for them to really assess accurately whether they are compliant with the GDPR or what steps they need to take to get there. Now, after that, I think the trustees should be in a relatively good place to identify and minimise the risks that are associated with their current approach. And one of the key steps here, I think, is for trustees to consider whether the data that's, and particularly personal data, and I I want to kind of split those out. So data is just information, but personal data is data that can be related to a specific individual. So, for example, it's possible for schemes to hold data without that being personal data and it's personal data that brings in all the compliance requirements. So if there is a way to reduce the personal data being held by the scheme, then that makes sense because the less personal data you're holding, obviously the easier it's going to be to manage your data compliance requirements. And then finally, I think trustees need to consider the legal basis that they're using for the data that they currently hold and and for processing that data. And as we already discussed At the moment, it's likely that they are using a consent approach for processing the data and that's unlikely to be sufficient. So they need to think about what else, what other bases they can use to process the data once GDPR comes in. Okay, and wouldn't another major task be to review all processing arrangements, including I'm thinking about here administration agreements and service level agreements? Because as I understand it, the GDPR requires processing contracts to contain a number of additional provisions with respect to data protection. Yeah, that's right. And I think work should start early on that for trustees to review their current data processing arrangements and contracts. And I think it would be no harm as well for trustees to speak to their service providers and see what approach are they taking to data protection compliance and what what are they doing in relation to GDPR? Because the relationship between them is actually going to become a bit more complex and the trustees will have to take a bigger interest in ensuring that their data processors are also uh, GDPR compliant. 
And then isn't the upshot of that or the logical follow on from that, that trustees will need to create a policy and control framework, if you like, with a view to being able to demonstrate compliance with GDPR? I think that's exactly right. And I think there is a real focus there to be put on being able to demonstrate compliance or at least demonstrate the efforts that trustees have made to comply with GDPR. So, I mean, realistically, it's not going to be possible for trustees or schemes to completely eliminate the risk of data breaches arising. Even in the best run schemes, there's going to be gaps and there are going to be occasions where data breaches occur. Now, where that does happen, I think if trustees can demonstrate that they have appropriately planned for GDPR and that they have, insofar as possible, put policies and procedures in place to manage the risks, then that should not only minimise the risks of breaches occurring in the first place, but should also minimise the fines that are levied by the data commissioner if a breach occurs. You know, while we could talk about this forever, I think the main takeaway from our discussion here today is that it's clear most pension schemes will have a very significant amount of work to do ahead of May next year. It's also very clear that trustees should be taking action now and definitely sooner rather than later to consider what steps they need to take in advance of the GDPR becoming effective. We in the pensions group at Matheson are currently working very closely with our data protection group in relation to the GDPR and the steps that need to be taken to ensure trustees are GDPR ready in time for May next year. So if you have any questions in relation to anything we discussed here today, you can contact us at pensions at matheson.com. That's all for this episode. Join us next time for more insight and discussion on the latest pension developments. Thanks for listening to the Matheson Pensions Podcast. For more information, go to matheson.com forward slash pensions. Thank you.